Parkway Studios in Johnston Proper. You are live from the past. Studios here in Johnston proper. I was in the middle of telling a raccoon story. <laughs> you guys missed it. What was the end of the story? Did you shoot the raccoon or what? Yeah, I shot. Was he was he being nefarious? No, I felt no. He wasn't. He was just living his life. He I, he totally creeped up on me. Mike's just angry. Where. We had we, I thought my wife saw, <laughs> thought she saw a fox, and we have like 60, 60 birds. We got like twenty chickens, twenty uh, ducks, and twenty guineas at the house right now. Yep. And so like once a fox, usually once a fox gets on the property. Uh, it takes like three or four chickens for, for us to notice that the fox is slowly dwindling out the chicken population. And then once we figure it out, we got to sit in there for like a week and a half to try to catch it. And normally it likes to travel in and steal a chicken at like 4.30 in the morning, which is before dawn. And so you almost got to shoot the thing in the dark, and it's, it's just terrible. I hate, I hate doing this. And so, but we thought we saw one like last week. And so I go out sitting at night, just hanging out, waiting for this thing, and and I post up behind a tree, and I'm there for about 20 minutes, and here comes this raccoon come right out of the corn. And he's like six feet away from me, staring me right in the face. I'm like, no, man, turn around go away right now. I don't want to have to shoot you because uh, a raccoon will do the same thing. It'll eat a bunch of chickens, and I won't be able to tell until we're, we've lost so many that it's, now it's a real problem. I'm like, go on, man, get out of here. And he didn't. He just stared at me and then kept coming closer as if he thought I was part of the tree. I'm like, I don't want to shoot you at this distance. This just feels wrong. <laughs> So, but eventually I, I had to, and then that was, he was a big dude. He was a big fella. I've had to shoot a fox before, uh, pretty close up, because he he had the mange, I guess. And so there, uh-huh. yeah, there was something wrong with him. And so it turns out I was sitting outside waiting for this fox for like three hours, and I'm about ready to give up, so I go look in the chicken coop to put all, make sure the chickens are put away, and he's sleeping in there, like diseased and dying. I'm like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, we don't want to... We don't want to shoot it with a, you know, with a big heavy gun, you know, at like no distance or whatever. So I had to go borrow something from the neighbor. But he was dying anyway, and I'm like, yeah. we're just doing him a favor. But I mean, you could open the door and point at him, and he wouldn't move at all. I'm like, boy, this guy's on his way out. Ow, this feels yeah. terrible. <laughs> we keep the pelt. Uh, we kept Coon. the tail. Yeah, the girls have like these Moses-looking staffs with uh, with uh, fox tails on the end. You got to cut off the tail, and or you deglove the tail. The tail like slides off, and then you fill it full of salt to whatever I don't get all the moisture out and then, yeah. and then preserve it or, and and then you got a cool uh, Daniel Boone style foxtail. What do they what do they do with it? With the foxtail? You know they shake it at stuff? No, we didn't put like, like r- rice like, or whatever. Like Rafiki from the from the Lion King. No, you know, the monkey. The no, baboon. No, we don't no, we don't do that. We just put it on a staff just for walking around. I'm with. disappointed. Yeah, it's just too bad. All right. I think you could do more. <laughs> you're you're missing out on opportunities <laughs> was the whole point. I'll keep that in mind next time. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> you can turn him into a wallet. Well, we're not, we're not like leathering them. Like fox leather? <laughs> yeah, or raccoon leather. I never even thought of that. <laughs> Me neither. I thought about it because of, of the bunnies. I thought, what am I going to do with all these pelts? Yeah. Huh. yeah I'll turn him into I'll, a I'll wallet. I'll take a wallet. A, a bunny wallet. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually a lot of work to, to like leatherize these. Yeah. I was watching some YouTube videos. It seems like it's going to be a real pain. So we, Okay, so I did this with a deer skin last year. Uh, we, we took it and then, and then like we... 
you have to scrape all the skin off, and then you got to tan it. And we could lift the fur on one side, figuring we'd use it like I don't know what we'd use it for. We don't have like a log cabin feel going, but like <laughs> like a pillowcase. I was tired of wasting it, right? Like and just chucking it. So we figured we'll try to do, you know, we'll try to use all the resources we have. And oh boy, this stuff was is a lot of work. And and apparently I didn't tan it quite right because it ended up in the bed of my truck or on the seat of my truck as like a. I don't know, some kind of hunter's anthem. I don't know why it's in there. But <laughs> I tried to get it to sit over the over the bench seat, and it just keeps springing up straight, and then and then loosing hair all over the place, and it looks like an old man because there's white deer hair just all over the truck. I'm like, I got to get rid of this thing. Oh, yeah. I'm so tired of this being in here. But it doesn't stink or nothing, so we must have done something right. <laughs> well then, you're listening to Life in the Past. <laughs> if you want to share your stories about how you've. Uh, murdered and otherwise then utilized the carcass of an animal. I would say stay away from my place or we're liable to skin you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's what could happen. All right. Hey, so here's what we got going on the show uh, today. The, the question on the table is, is whether you have just totally failed at something. Like, attempt, like, and this could be anything. You could have tried to do something and it failed, or you were supposed to handle a situation a certain way, and like... It wasn't just a, oh, I could have said that better, or I could have done that differently. Like, you had high expectations of something going well, and, like, you just completely biffed it. Mm -hmm. The question is, has that ever happened to you, and if so, in what way? Okay, I have an answer. Nathaniel, do you have an answer? Yeah, I have an answer. Dan. I, I honestly, I, this sounds like really conceited. I can't think. Of yeah, it. Dan has done no wrong in his. I, <laughs> to I block memory. it from my memory, so I don't have to dwell on the past <laughs> negative experiences. I I think only of you know rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, unicorns. Okay, so maybe something will come to mind though. I, okay, I'll tell you a quick story. This and this happened at work uh, probably a couple months ago. We were down in Texas, and it's one of those long shutdown things. And um, we had found a problem. Uh, just as we were about to be done for the day. started at like 4 in the morning, and it was about 8, eight or 9 o'clock at night, and we were just getting ready to turn everything on. We turned all the stuff on. We happened to be walking by something, and it went zzz, zzz. I'm like, oh, no. So the guy found it, and we had to shut it back down. We opened the thing back up. turned out like we had two electrical cables that were shorting together mm. inside this piece of equipment. And it was medium voltage, uh, which like normal house voltage is like 120 volts, 240 volts for your dryer, that kind of stuff. This is like 15,000 volts, and that comes into a big switch. That's the medium. That's, That's medium. a heck of a jump, man. Yeah, I think high is everything over 60,000. 60, okay, okay. So anyway, uh, so it turns out these things uh, need uh, new ends put on them. And... I'm an electrician, or I'm a licensed electrician, but I haven't put... Putting on, like, medium voltage ends is kind of a big deal. Um, there's, like, three or four different layers to them. If you cut it too too much, then you cut into the insulating properties, and it tracks and blows up, and it's a big, hairy deal. And they're like, all right, well, we got to have this running, uh, so let's get the ends coming, and uh, the electricians can put them on, and, meaning me and one other guy. And I'm like, oh, man, I haven't done this in, like, 15 years. This is... I said, yeah, I can do this. No problem. I've got this handled. <laughs> so then they put me next to this guy, and who's done one recently and is pretty good at him. And I ain't kidding you. Usually, uh, if, if you're really doing pretty well, you could get one done in like half hour, 45 minutes. And it's, it's, it's really involved. You've got you to gotta cut. There's like four layers of insulation. You've got to cut them, and they're like millimeters thick. You've got to cut off just one, but if you cut too far into, into the one below it, you've got to sand it out with this sandpaper, otherwise the electricity will just fall right in line with it. I'm like, okay, it's not going to be a big deal. So me and this other dude start working on it. And he's got his about wrapped up at like about an hour, and I'm five minutes into it, and I have nicked the crap out of it with the knife and it is almost unsavable. I've gone through 
like not only my portion of sandpaper in case of accidental nickage, but I also borrowed his. And then I also <laughs> opened up the extra package we had bought in case something had gone bad and took the sandpaper out of that one, trying to get this big gout. Is going so bad. And I thought, that's all right. I'll, 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 I'll get this wrapped up in the end. So circle around 2.30 in the morning. Mike's is not, still, still not done. And I cannot get this dick out. And like, I'm just, I'm, I'm embarrassed and failing. I've been at this for like four hours. There's probably 10 people dead tired, but everyone been up for 24 hours by this point watching me fail at this. And the guy, the guy next to me, I'm apologizing profusely. I'm like, I'm so sorry, man. I'm not doing this very well. It's really embarrassing. He goes, no, no, don't worry about it. But maybe you should just let me have it and see if we can get this straightened out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, if you think that's best. And then I walked off with my tail between my legs after having failed in four hours. And it was horrible. It was just horrible, total total failure. It was. To- I mean, here. I mean, once again. I mean, these are these are like professionals. You know, like in a group of dudes, I am the sorriest excuse for an electrician <laughs> on the site, and I have a license, and no one else got no license, just me. You know, and everyone else is doing this way better than me, and it was it was totally embarrassing, and I I, I didn't redeem myself. I straight up failed, and that was the end of the story. <laughs> but that's that's rough. That is rough. Don't you feel? I mean, like, uh, I mean, you're dying on forty years old, Mike. What yeah. does it feel like? Like. If it's hard to take in being as old as you are and feeling like, boy, I just, I failed totally. Yeah, I did this so bad. And there's nothing you, like, here's the thing is like, failing by yourself is one thing because you can kind of keep trying at it and, and work on it and, yeah. and take another route and, and buy a new one if you have to and whatever and we're fine. But like, that wasn't this situation and I had to fail loudly in public and uh. it was a disaster. <laughs> and then they had to test it when I was done. And I just sat there going, oh, man, <laughs> I hope they test mine last, and yeah. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> uh, it, it passed, though. That other guy really straightened it up and, and, and redeemed it. Nice. Okay. I've, I've got one, though. Okay, Dan thought about, I thought about this. You're up. It's a food one, a food one. I'm in my early 20s, we're new, pretty newly married. Uh, I'm at work, and uh, a guy tells me he has this recipe that he tried the other day with a, a chili that has hot dogs in it. And... Uh, he said this is the best hot chili he'd ever had in his life. I thought, well, I'll try that. It'll be great. And uh, so I get the recipe from him, and I go home, and we invite the mother-in-law and father-in-law over. And uh, I'm telling Charlotte we have this new recipe. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's chili, and it's got hot dogs in it. And uh, it's just going to be amazing. And, and she's like, um, my, my mom can't eat hot dogs. She hates them. Oh. She, like, hates them. And I said, but we got to, I got the recipe. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, said, I, I can hide the hot dogs. They, they won't even know there's hot dogs in it. That's, that's how good this is going to be. So I, so I ground them up. Uh, I put them in a food blunt processor, <laughs> and I and I put this slop of ball of hot dog, and it's a lot of them. Maybe I mean a half a package. Or a whole pa- I mean it was a lot of them. Mixed in with the beef and everything, and I cooked it, and 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 it was terrible. <laughs> I mean they took one bite, and both both her the the, the wife, the mom, and uh, mother in law and father in law, and they were both just like I'm gonna throw up. I think, and, and, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like. <laughs> yeah, that was an embarrassing. I moment. ground him up so fine. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't think you'd notice. <laughs> it's like what an idiot. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Oh man. Okay, yeah, that's super rough. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's a major fail, Nathaniel. I have lots, but the one that I shared earlier with Ben, which uh, made him think of this tangent, is uh, I uh, in college they would have like open mic nights at the at the. Uh, student center or whatever. So I would I would think of funny jokes to say, and I would do s- some stand up comedy, and uh, it usually went okay, not great, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just out of the blue, I'd been graduated for like two years, and um, one of the guys who was still was like a freshman when I was doing it. 
It was like, hey, we're we're revamping the the open mic night. Do you want to come? Because I was still living in town. Do you want to come back and and do some comedy? <laughs> we're gonna have like five guys doing some comedy, and mm-hmm. I did not want to at all because <laughs> I had not th- thought of a joke in years. Uh, but I agreed to it, and so I'm sitting at work, you know, wrenching on stuff, trying to think of jokes. Uh, all night long because I worked the night shift and not coming up with anything at all. But I cobbled together what I thought to be <laughs> ten minutes of solid material. <laughs> three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, three in the morning. Like it was. This will be great. Uh, I was trying to figure out how a machine works and think of jokes at the same time. And uh, most of my jokes were uh, either very obscure or. Um, Related to mechanics, mm-hmm. or because um, I was working on machines, all that I thought this will be funny. They'll get a real kick out of, out of this torque wrench joke. <laughs> and one of them, it was right around the time that uh, Eminem had released the Kamikaze album, mm-hmm. where he was, uh, where he was, uh, he came out with all these, all these uh, beefs with all these other rappers. And so I thought it would be real funny to talk about uh, the Christian rapper KJ Five Two. Who came out with a, like a 2003 song called "Dear M," and why there wasn't a, a KG52 response on this album? And I spent like at least three minutes explaining the joke because <laughs> no one got it. Uh, <laughs> They're all looking at you. Yeah, but I st- I stood up there and just bombed hard for like a full ten minutes. Uh, and just sat in it, and uh, it went bad. Boy, and. I haven't been uh, back since. <laughs> okay, I thought of one more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I, was, I was asked if I would play piano at um, Pants' brother's wedding. And it's not, it's not really, I'm not great at that type of piano. I'm more like a bar, flashy, blues type piano, you know. Um, but they wanted to do like the wedding march and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, I, I really practiced my tail off and I struggled. These are not, this is really hard for me. And, and so I worked at it, worked at it, worked at it. And I thought, I thought I finally had it nailed. And here comes the big wedding ceremony and in walks, uh, my old music teacher. And she hated me <laughs> for, uh, for great reasons, right? Like I was not a well-behaved uh, teenager. I was very disrespectful to, to, to her and school in general. And so she had full rights just to not think very much of me, you know, but I was always pretty good musically. And so like most people would just put up with it. And here she comes in and I'm like, that's all right. That's all right. I play this piano just fine, you know, <laughs> and then you can hate me whatever for personal reasons, but my piano playing is going to be solid. And boy, did I screw it up so bad. <laughs> like, I mean, I couldn't even get through the wedding march. I was hitting wrong notes. And, like, I could just feel her gaze glaring at me. I'm like, I'm such a failure. <laughs> was, I, I, I wanted to leave, but I'm pretty sure that we were, like, DJing the wedding or something. And, like, it was just a total disaster. I was so oh, no. embarrassed. I'm like, man, I just wish I wouldn't have been such a turd when I was at school because, like, this is horrible. <laughs> oh, okay, I got another one. <laughs> so be here all night. <laughs> I got another one too. Ben and, I, good one. ben and I figure, you know, we played in a band back in the day. We figured we had all this equipment. We should be DJing weddings. <laughs> and so, so this one, it started off innocent enough. Someone recommended somebody to us, and we're like, uh, yeah, let's let's meet you at a coffee shop or whatever. We'll discuss the wedding plans. So Ben and I show up, and we're supposed to be there at eight. We get there at like ten, tell, and we sit in these chairs, and then. Uh, it's about eh, 20 after 8 or whatever, and no one has shown up. We're like, man, maybe we got stood up. It turns out that they were sitting right across from us the whole time and never said anything, didn't whatever, and so they were livid. 
they were livid mad that we had allowed this to go on for 20 minutes without saying anything. So we're like, oh, I'm so sorry, whatever, just a mix-up. So they give us, the, they give us the, the list of tunes they want us to play, and we're like, yeah, no problem. So we, the wedding comes up like a couple weeks later. We bring our rig. Uh, the computer dies, and so we got zero tunes. Uh, we finally get like these almost every tune they wanted patched together, and we got the speakers kind of working, and it was going really bad so far. And the, the dad was super mad at us already, and the mom hated us because of the coffee shop ordeal. And finally, the daddy-daughter dance song comes up, Ooh. and we played the exact song they asked for, and the, the bride and the, the, the dad stop dancing directly, look at us, yell like, that is not the song we discussed, and I'm so tired of that. I mean, just super uh, angry, you know? And, like, it was definitely the song they had discussed. They had changed oh. their minds, like, since they told us and, oh, and no. hadn't actually let us know. And, like, boy, I don't know if we could have felt any lower. It was a complete yeah. failure. Right, we got out of the DJ business right after that wedding. That was the last <laughs> one we ever did. Yeah. I don't know how Booba does it. I'm like, this is, people are high strung anyway at weddings. And, and I like, we didn't even get free food. And like, we tried to grab a soda and the dad caught us. He's like, I, you, I don't pay you to drink soda. I'm like, boy, we got to get out of here. This is the absolute worst. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yeah. What, what was your entertainer? You thought of another one? Yeah, I was working on this uh, machine one night at work. And uh, I, it, it, there was a problem with these two sensors where uh, something that was supposed to be going down was actually going up. And uh, I was goofing off with it, and I couldn't figure it out, and I tore it all apart. And then uh, I got busy with something else, and I walked away from it. And I called the guy who was running that machine, and I said, hey, uh, I'm working on this. Don't goof off with it, which he took to mean, let me just purge it out for you, yeah. and I'll goof off with it. And uh, so he, he, he uh, crashed the whole machine. Oh, and it was a <laughs> it was a big mess, <laughs> and so then I had to take the the, the whole thing apart. And uh, part of that was putting a pipe wrench on the gearbox of this uh, machine. It's a basically a big turntable, and there are different stations that do different things to the product. And so I was turning the gearbox over so that I could move it manually. I thought I had it in the right spot to hit the go button. So I walk over to the to the little uh, computer screen to hit go on this uh, piece of equipment, and I had forgotten that I had left the p- pipe wrench on the gearbox. No, no. Yeah. And so I hit, <laughs> I hit go, and wham! It just slams right into the, uh, the, the, the frame of the machine. And I thought to myself, this has broken a tooth. Or something. <laughs> this is, this is a, and I mean, it's probably like a you know a two thousand dollar gearbox, right? And uh, the people are going to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go over there, and uh, it did not pop a tooth. It popped the clutch. Oh, but then yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get the clutch to pop back in. And so I spent like all night long goofing off with this thing and like rearranging uh, these little cams that uh, run the 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 sensors that show it when it's high and when it's low. And so I'm just adjusting them and trying to turn it and pop it back in. And uh, in the morning, I had to tell my boss, "Hey, uh, I ruined this machine." Yeah. <laughs> so you know that one's Nathanielized. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, "So how'd that happen? Uh, how'd we get off on this?" Uh, I was like, "Well, it started off with a sensor." Yeah. <laughs> do you describe? Do you, do you always describe you working on something as goofing off? Because I mean, maybe that has given him the wrong impression yeah. of your efforts. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Maybe I should change the way that I talk about how yeah. I work on things. I'm just goofing off with this machine. <laughs> just goofing here. off with it. Just <laughs> fiddling around with it. Okay, I got, I got one more. No, okay. That's it. So I was, I was working on a generator. It's at the top of a very tall building downtown. 
It's like uh, 30 stories up, 15 stories up. I don't know. It's it's high. And so the stairway will only get you up so far, and then you have to take like this ladder to get up to the roof. It takes like 80 gallons of oil. Okay, so so I, it's already a rough rough gig. That oil comes in five gallon barrels, uh, barrels or buckets, and you got to haul it up with a with a rope, and it's it it stinks, right? So it's already a crappy job. So it, and you can't start till midnight. So about two o'clock in the morning, I finally got everything done. I got all the oil in, and I'm about ready to start carrying my empty buckets down before I start running it. And I look at the bucket, and it's not actually 1540 diesel oil like it's supposed to be. Wow. It's 30 weight hydraulic oil. I'm like. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! What have I done? I have eighty gallons of the wrong oil in this in this generator. So, oh, I'm like, what? I thought this is a disaster. What am I going to do? You know? So I, I get all the empty buckets back up and I start filling them back up with the oil I'd put in there, but I don't have any new oil to put in it. So I had to break into my own workplace, <laughs> like on the sly, hop a fence, whatever. Grab two. I had to I'd grab two rounds of the right oil because I got to put it in there, run it for like five ten minutes, get it all flushed out. Get all that stuff back out and then put it. Wait, so you need 160 gallons? Yeah, 160. Now, in five gallon, five gallon oh, buckets, up 14 flights of stairs, and then a roof hatch access. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. And so, I mean, I got out of there at like six in the morning, and, and, and I, I kind of I got to work on, on Monday after I had done it over the weekend. You know, my boss goes, how'd it go? And I'm like, everything went great. <laughs> he goes, I see that you bought 160 gallons of oil. And I said, I don't know if I did or did not. But I think you should probably charge it to the job and just call this one a loss and don't ask me no more about how what happened. He goes, I think that's fair. Is everything good? I said, everything's good. We don't want to talk about it no more. He goes, okay, sounds good. That was the last we spoke of it. <laughs> okay, just so just had 100 and, 160 gallons of oil just laying around? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, we. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a dealership. We got, we got guess, diesel engines yeah. everywhere. So, yeah, there was plenty of oil to go around, but me having him out, and I, I, it was 3 in the morning. Who was I going to call to help me? I was by myself. I carried, I mean, if they're in five-gallon pails, it takes 80 gallons. Do some math. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of pails of oil I had to carry up there. I was worn out. Yeah, boy, that seems terrible. It, it was terrible. Now, I'll tell the story afterwards, but I wait about six months before I tell everybody what, <laughs> how bad it actually was. Okay, I'll do mine. Uh, so I, I have a number of them. Uh, but the first one that came into mind was when I was in college, uh, I was, I was going for an English, I was an English major. And so, uh, outside of your classes, you also had to write like a, um, like a major paper in your senior year. And so, uh, you're supposed to, you're supposed to do a number of strategic steps on this thing. Like you meet with your advisor, you tell them what you're thinking about writing on. They give you a bunch of feedback. You do drafts. They look at it and stuff, and then you ultimately, this paper gets turned in, and then you have to defend it in front of the entire English department at, at the college. And so I did none of that. I did not talk to anybody about what I was going to write about, uh, and I wrote, the, I wrote it with, like, I don't know, three days to spare. And it's like a 20-page dissertation type of thing. And uh, I made a couple of, of tactical errors. The first one was not using any of the uh, having people help me. And because if an advisor had got that far, then they would have at least some investment in defending it with their colleagues. But I didn't I didn't do that. And the second thing was the paper uh, was about uh, the the details aren't super important, but it's about literary criticism and basically called out um, uh, English like folks who do English stuff, mainly professor types, um, that they put their opinion too much um, in describing books like. 
literary criticism is a lot about people going, here's what I think the author meant. I'm like, you're supposed to suspend disbelief and just accept the world that, that is given to you. I don't care what you think. If you thought, if I cared what you thought, I would read a book by you. And like, that was the essence of the, uh, <laughs> and so you have to give this report in front of a panel of academia. Yes. <laughs> and you were pretty, pretty much criticizing academia. Yeah. Okay. It went really, really bad. <laughs> really bad. And like, I am a, uh, uh, I am a straight, I'm a, like an A, A plus student in English stuff. I'm a solid C minus in, uh, foreign languages just for balance. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, they hated it. The whole thing. <laughs> they, I even had like a cover that had a quote on it in the very front. And one guy spent 20 minutes on how much he hated the quote. <laughs> he says, you took it out of context. I'm like, it's a quote. It means what I said it means. Like, the words are true just because it wasn't what from the story it was. Because here's the deal. It's not scripture. I'm not trying to teach a contextual thing. I heard this guy, contextual thing, I heard this guy say this thing. I said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for what I care for it to mean. And I put it on the front cover. Anyway, like, I fl- they, they rejected it. They flat out rejected it and said, we, this is garbage. We, we flat out, we, we don't want anything to do with this paper. Wow. And uh, don't they just get to say uh, we disagree with it heavily, but they like, grade it on its own merit? No. <gasps> nope. Wow. Okay. I mean, they could have done that, but I think because I had not done, I was going to school uh, part time, I was working part time, and we had just like a young kid. And so, like, I just it was not handling my time well. And so I tried to cheat. I tried to, I didn't cheat, but like, I tried to get away with not putting as much time in this as most people put into. Um, and so it was, it, it just, I remember leaving the campus that day, um, and driving home. And of course I lived like 40 minutes away from the campus and like, it was, I felt so dejected in my life. Like I, I just wasn't used to failing so hard yeah. <laughs> and having, and having people who, I don't know if I say I were respected, but like they were respectable people, uh, who knew what they were doing. It's and, that attitude right there that got you in trouble. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, yes it was. Yes, it was. Uh, and, and frankly, it led to one of the, um, one of my biggest regrets, to be honest in life is like, I, I was, I got mad. I was just so mad that they rejected this is that I turned around and I refused to meet with someone again. Because like you get to follow up, and this time you don't defend it. You just turn in whatever the follow up is, and then they'll then they'll grade it. I chucked the whole thing because I they hated the premise of it, and I wrote like a short story that was twenty again twenty some pages long, and um, they were super excited about it. They thought it was really good. But between you and me and the eight people that listened to the program, it was foul. It was a bad story. I was I was mad, and like what what freely flows out of my tongue is um is sharp crude but kind of funny writing like i'm i'm way funnier on the page than i am out in the open and like if i read this back it's an admittedly funny story but like it's got all kinds of like inappropriate stuff in it. like it was bad i should not have written it i read I'm, I'm embarrassed of it if like i've read it back recently and i'm ashamed of what i of that that i had published something like that but the thing is is like it's a big it's a their mindset the way that they look at the world they loved it they ate it up. They thought it was fantastic. They I, they gave me a B plus because I still didn't meet with anybody. I just freelanced it and wrote it on my own. Like I didn't revise it. I just wrote it. I wrote it all in one night and handed it in. Um, so like that that particular instance was both my greatest, well, like one of my greatest failures of the feeling of utter failure, and I'm super ashamed of my reaction to it. Um, and even though they very much approved of the output. <laughs> hmm. um, but yeah, like I just felt it felt like, hey, you put so much, you put a lot of effort into schooling up to this point or whatever, and to have it just so when it's really comes up to it to 
sit in front of like five people who run this English department. They were like, this is just terrible. We, we reject this whole premise. It's just all bad. I said, boy. That's because it's not very often that someone says, I reject the entirety. That's not only the thought, the execution, yeah. everything that you've done, everything yeah. that you've done or put into this or thought about, and the fact that you thought it was good, we find even more insulting. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I just hate it. I yeah. hate this. And you, frankly, I hate you as a person. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. This is what, what the hard part of that was. Is like, I, I, it was well written. Like, I know it was well done. It was, it was well researched. It was well quoted. Uh, it was well written. And the argument was good. It was just offensive. <laughs> it was offensive to them. Um, and like, I'd run into things like that before. Like, I'd written something for another class, and the guy gave me like a D plus. And had written a bunch of comments and stuff, and I I created like it was a ten page paper, and I ended up reading writing a fifteen page rebuttal to his D plus, and he came back and he said, uh, "Yeah, well argued, B plus." I'm like, "Safe, I'll take it." Like that guy was, I felt like he was reasonable because <laughs> um, because he, he agreed with you. <laughs> I can't even believe he read it the fifteen pages. Um, but anyway, like it just felt it just it felt awful. It felt awful to have failed so badly, yeah. uh, especially because like I knew I probably could have done better like had i followed yeah i could have set myself up for better and so like i it was not only a fail but like i knew that i contributed to that failure <laughs> okay i got a super super short one okay all right a an attorney passed away super highly respected attorney uh in the this area yeah and uh, the family uh, asked me to do the funeral met with family did all this stuff yep i'll be there made all the appointments and times and the funeral starts like at two o'clock i think in perry I can't remember where. Somewhere, how far away is Perry from here? About 45 minutes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, 45 minutes. In my head, I'm thinking to myself, that's about 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting at the office thinking, I don't want to leave too early. Right. Because, you know. I look like a room. I'll just be roaming around Perry. <laughs> yeah. And so I wait. And then I jump in the car and I put on the GPS. And I'm like, holy crap. Oh, no. I'm 45 minutes away and it starts in 15 minutes. Oh. I'm like, it's a funeral. I mean, it's not like, uh, oh, I'll meet you for coffee. And like, oh, they were not happy. <laughs> and I was like, how can, you know, I'm sorry, sorry this this wonderful, you know, patriarch of the family passed away. I don't respect, and his big thing was being punctual. Oh, no. So I kind of made a little joke about, uh, he'd really be angry at me. Yeah. And they're all just, just giving me daggers. that one. It's like, oh, it's a funeral. <laughs> the last thing I did was disrespect him. Oh, no. <laughs> And you were just sitting in your office. You weren't even I know. doing anything. I, I could have been there. And I was just thinking, eh. Oh, Who wants to be early? That is, oh. And it's a family that's like, it was friends of one of my girls, and they're, they're kind of in the upper crest, and I'm, we're kind of like, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> we're in the... The, 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 uh, the pie at the Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just was not impressive. Oh, man. And it also made it difficult on my daughter, you know, who was like, you know, best friends with the family, and... Her, her, her friend is now like a, an attorney in Washington, D.C. I mean, it's like just one of those families, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think hard enough. I can think of all kinds of awful failures. That's, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's, that's a tough half hour or so to sit there in front of people mourning, thinking, yeah, I just made it worse oh. for you. Oh. I, I, here's the thing. is like that is the toughest part, like, especially when you're supposed to be speaking, entertaining, whatever, a crowd of people that you know do not like you. They're all just sitting there. Yeah, yeah waiting. They're just waiting, waiting for you to be done. Nobody wants to be there. Yeah, you're like, boy, oh. we got to get out of here. Yeah, it's it's having it's failing and then having to represent yourself as if you were confident now, yeah, in right. front of those groups. Now, people. have you ever had this experience as a pastor, where like you're given a sermon, you're like, "Boy, this thing is a stinker," and everybody hates it. 
I've had a few of those. Have you? Yeah, where I was <laughs> preaching at the at the small country church. Yeah. And it would just was not going well. <laughs> I can't remember what I was talking about. I wish I I wish I could, but I know there was one in particular where I left that week and I was like, that did that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's had, had you have to have a few of those. You have to. It's a I had one where I read Ben's sermon because he was sick. I remember that. Yeah. Like Ben had Ben Ben was supposed to be preaching that day and then he got real sick or whatever and he's like, I, I need you to read this sermon. I'm like, Yeah, I can read. This would be no problem at all. Of course I roll in there with full hubris here. I got this covered. And like I'm stumbling all over my words. I'm I'm pronouncing the Greek wrong. Like I'm attributing things that don't belong to somebody. I try to expound on a point like I'm like I wrote the thing myself. <laughs> and it was it was meandering and had no point to it at all. I'm like I don't know. It was a disaster. <laughs> I remember. I remember specifically. You said Pax Romana, whatever that means. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I was super upset because Ben always writes these lofty, you know, whatever, uh, harder to understand to to dummies like me uh, type servants, you know. And like the points are always good, and it always makes sense. It's always well written, you know. But like I'm trying to read it off the page, and I'm like. Pax Romana. <laughs> is that supposed to be one word or two words? I don't understand what's going on here. It what, sounds like a side so many, dish at the Olive Garden. Yeah, why is there so many Herods? I don't know who cares about this. <laughs> I re- so uh, mine wasn't um, like topical or anything like the like the, the contents of this. Like I've certainly had uh, a number of things that I thought were very cute and that no one re- reacted to. That happens a lot uh, or used to. Um <laughs> I cut all the cuteness out. <laughs> People don't tolerate it. But like, I did almost poop my own drawers during a sermon once because uh, I just got like I guess nervous. I get a nervous stomach, and it was such a weird place to be nervous because like we had started we did, 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 did at the church. Dan does two services, and we we decided we were going to tack on a third service early 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 morning for the oldies. Yeah. I don't know if that's offensive to the oldies or not. It doesn't. It didn't last. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so we did like a super early oldies service. And so I get there, and there's not like, but I know nine people in there. Yeah, super friendly. Yeah, like I love all these people, and uh, something about the whole situation just made me nervous. And like I probably I, I made it through this whatever singing or something was going on, and then I probably got five or six minutes into the service sermon, and I'm like, you're gonna have to excuse me. <laughs> and then I had to, and when I I don't want to go too far into it, but I get the nervous poops. It takes a while to like have it finish its course. <laughs> like, you can't just go and come back. Yeah. And so I think I was gone for like 20 minutes, and then I come back, I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do we got left here? <laughs> and like, that felt, it's, it, there's always something in the back of my mind that no matter how nervous I am, my body will have the self-constraint, the restraint to not do something like, hey, you're going to have to walk out in the middle of this in the sermon. Or, like Mike said to bail me out a couple of times, like there was, um, what was it? It was during a we were, I think that same DJ gig, like the wedding was at the same place, or maybe it was a different one. But like just as everything was coming up, we just had to have the songs lined up and played, and like it just I was super nervous, and I ended up being in the bathroom during the whole the whole wedding. Mike had had to like take over and do the wedding stuff, uh, oh. and which it, is helpful because I'm pretty callous to people getting all fired up. I'm like, well, stuff's broken. I'll sing it a cappella. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I just I don't want to disappoint people. Uh, like oddly, like I don't particularly care about their that they what they think. Like if their feedback was, "Hey, I don't like the contents in your sermon," but like just the notion of like I don't know, it just feels like I might disappoint them, and it made me so super. And that's happened multiple times where I'm like, "Nah, your body will never betray you in this way," and it has multiple <laughs> times. 
<laughs> okay. Hey, you're listening live from the path. I, you know, I, I didn't have a particular like theology reason or anything to talk through that. I just Nathaniel was telling that uh, him bombing at that uh, comedy story on uh, on the way here, and I thought that like it's just a. Uh, uh, maybe it's just a helpful thing to one. It's there. I hope the stories are interesting. But like, um, I guess just a reminder that uh, I mean, it's okay to. It happens. Like sometimes you yeah. just stink, and like I wouldn't paint my whole life by the fact that like five liberal English professors really hated my paper. It doesn't come up very often. <laughs> Uh, and there's all kinds of like some of uh, some of uh, in fact everybody's fa- had a failure that was related to their work in work that they still do yeah. like some relevant thing that is still applicable to their lives like no one got kicked out or, or whatever and so uh, maybe if you're sitting on in some kind of failure and it feels super heavy now just uh, I mean give it a little bit of time maybe share it as a laugh with someone who enjoy it and. Maybe move on. Yeah. Share with the complaint line. Yeah. Or call the complaint line. 515-517-0085. Now, here's the thing. You can send us an email at info at livefromthepath.org. Although, I'm not even sure I get those anymore, to be honest. Maybe I do. Just, just somebody give it a shot. Shoot me an email, info at livefromthepath.org, and I'll reply to it if I get it, uh, in case it's a real long story. But if you've got a short failure that you want to just find some relief from, uh, by sharing it with us. Go ahead and do that. That's 515-517-0085. You can call or text. That's the Life from the Path complaint line. Nice. My, my preaching professor used to say, if you lay an egg, take a step back, observe it, enjoy it, take a moment, and then just go on. Yeah. Don't sit there and go, oh, I can't believe, oh, you, you know, then it just makes it worse. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. Yeah. Just embrace it. Yeah. I appreciate that's, it. That's true in, in most, uh, either, yeah. either public speaking or like if you play in a band or like, you know, like... Most people will not notice that you actually screwed up. You will consider it to be a large <laughs> failure, uh, well, unless you're Nathaniel. Uh, but uh, obviously, like most, especially especially in a band, uh, like if you didn't do what you intended to do or whatever, usually my advice is to live there, act like you've done it on purpose, and then do it again, and act like it was part of the deal, you know. And then, or say, "Boy, I really bombed that. We're just gonna we're gonna sidestep and move this direction." But like, if you keep referring to it, then you brought people into the failure, yeah. and then they'll live there with you, and they won't hear anything you have to say from here on out. Yeah, that's what I did at the comedy tonight. Is that I was like, "Man, I'm bombing hard," but then I, because I wanted to live in it and and soak in all the all the bomby juices because I felt so bad. <laughs> I just came up with more things to say. So like, I was up there for even longer because I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> Okay, yeah, don't do that. That seems like a mistake. <laughs> okay, I did sing, I did sing "Paradise" by the Dashboard Lights with my mother-in-law one time, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that song by Meatloaf. Like over Sunday night dinner? Or what? No, we were we were at uh, we were at somewhere eating dinner, and they had karaoke, and like someone had it up there, and they're like, "We should do this," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, no problem." Well, it gets a little saucy at the end of "Paradise" by the Dashboard Lights, <laughs> yeah. and so and so like at the end of the, like towards the end of the tune, I'm like. Well, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> this, is, this is super awkward. <laughs> they had me sing at a wedding once. Some of these people, I'm like, I'm, I'm a preacher. Like, had me preach, but we didn't get to sing at our wedding. And it was the uh, Robin Hood, uh, everything I do, I do for you. Song. Oh yeah, yeah, so it was, like yeah. really high. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So they had this really formal, beautiful wedding, and here's the guy getting up there. Everything I do. <laughs> Look into my eyes. 
Jesus. Boy, oh, Dan, you're a bold Jesus. man. He was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I guess. <laughs> I said, you understand that's too high for me. Oh, we don't care. No, this will be great. Oh, that was, yeah, you that got, was a. You have the voice of an angel. I should have pooped it, my Dan. pants to get out of it. <laughs> oh, they, that's still on video somewhere, I'm sure. Oh. Well, I got to be honest with you. I hate weddings for all that reasons. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't stand all the, the pomp and, and, and whatever. And like, I just, every time I look at the DJ, I'm like, Oh, you're salt of the earth, bro. I just I can't, yeah. I couldn't do this gig. It's just so horrible. The pe- the whole party's depending on you. They're like, this is the most important night of my life, and it all depends on your speakers and your laptop. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I'll never do that again. No, no, that seems bad. All right, you're listening to Life in the Path. We appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I look for a couple articles. I didn't see anything entertaining. So, Mike, let's do some advice, and we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Okay, sounds like a plan. Hold on. Ready? Oh, what does it mean to be ready? I, that's, I usually say that when I'm waiting for the internet to do, do what it wants. Okay, well, well then I'm ready. <laughs> Dear, live from the path. Uh-huh. I've been with my boyfriend, quotes John, for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. He had been divorced for two years after a 20-year marriage when we got together. He told me that he and his ex, quotes Jessica, were still pretty good friends. I thought it was okay since they were co-parenting their kid. I have a children of my own, and I understand. I gave up everything and moved two hours away to move in with John. Then I realized he was constantly talking and texting with her. Then I noticed all the food containers in the fridge were from her. It made me realize how much he depends on Jessica. John told me they were divorced because they grew apart. When we discussed it further, John admitted he still depends on Jessica for everything from dinners to paying his bills and daily conversations. They are both in relationships and continue to act like this. Their quote's kid is now 18 and has graduated from high school. Am I wrong for not wanting to move forward in this relationship? John doesn't seem to want or need me. Confused. You know, these are great questions to ask before you move two hours away in with John. Maybe you should assess that out. I feel like you you really put yourself in a predicament. Yeah, like, are you you that not close to this man that you wouldn't know that most of the Tupperware belongs to his ex-wife and that they chat daily? I gotta be be honest with you. I mean, if you'd go over to a single man's house and he got a bunch of Tupperware in there, he didn't do that. Somebody bringing this stuff to him. Good, right? good point. You should be looking for Jimmy John's wrappers and quickies. And you're like, hey, man, this makes sense. But like a dude that got all the stuff all Tupperware'd up, there's a woman involved in here somewhere. Yeah. 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 Now, what, what was, sorry, I just, so I re- reacted the right, uh, what, what was the premise of the, the question again? Uh, Am I wrong? Am I wrong for not wanting to move forward in this relationship? No, you're not wrong. No. Yeah, I would put the brakes, those skids on that directly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, you want, a, like, it, when you're part of a, a, a mixed family, right, that it has some co-parenting going on, like, you want amicable relationship between the parent, uh, although, I mean, is it really a threat to you that, I mean, paying his bills, I don't know. Come on. This this should be more of an indication of the level of man you're involved with, opposed yeah. to his relationship with his yeah. ex, right? Somebody that does not pay their own bills, uh, keep up with their own food, or I mean, the conversation I think is fine. Um, I I don't I don't know. I've not been part of a, tried to tried to have a relationship with somebody that has been married for twenty years. Like that relationship isn't just going to break completely apart unless it ended very badly. And it sounds like it mm-hmm. just they kind of just drifted away from each other. So I mean, you don't want them to to be fighting or like, have like contention. every day though. Would you every assume day, they have something weird. to talk about every day? Eighteen year old kid. And they're seeing each other face to face too. If he's getting Tupperware, I mean, it's not just texting. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think that's I feel odd. like it's the bill paying that I find super weird. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe his ex wife Jessica is just uh, overly generous. Like she just thinks about him 
and says, well, I mean, we made enough meatloaf, and my current husband, Tom, don't care, so we'll just pack some off, yeah. drop some off to John. Yeah, so I think it would be that, that, like, if, to the extent that John, uh, like, it's okay for her to be kind, it's okay for him to go, you know what, that's okay. I live my, I live my own life, uh, I'm involved with this woman who moved in with me, maybe you should, you don't need to bring my meatloaf over. Take your meatloaves elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to walk into uh, a relationship and believe that they are second fiddle. For the rest of their days, right? Yeah. Will she always be playing the second <clears throat> fiddle to, to ex-wife Jessica? Especially with their kid, 18, graduating from high school, getting ready to move out. You know, I mean, I suppose you can wait and see how that flushes out. But, like, I, I still think you should have discussed all this before you yeah. moved in with the man. Well, I mean, I guess here's the thing. Food is intimate. Yeah. Like, it's a close... Sharing food is a close thing. Even if you're not, like, eating in the same room, it's like... like uh like you're making a meatloaf or something. Like people who bring leftovers to your place, like if you're going to bring food to someone, you don't generally bring leftovers from your fridge unless you're close to them. You generally, you get them a gift certificate somewhere or you make them something that like, this is, this we made separately right. for your family. Here's the whole lasagna, not whatever my family didn't eat. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's a weird, it's, well, it's not a weird thing, but it is for that relationship to be that way. Um, it, 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 it implies like to allow someone to care for you again, also encourages a certain level of intimacy. That's not wrong between partners. Uh, but you certainly for clarity and for recognizing what it like the history that you have, you shouldn't continue to allow with your, with your ex spouse. And I think the constant, the, the, the talking all the time, like, I'm glad they're a friend, but like, I mean, I don't talk to even my close friends every day. That's a lot. That's a lot of talking. Yeah, I, I think it's what we expect out of out of a, a marriage type relationship, right? Like we expect um, that relationship to be different than all other relationships. We, it, it needs to be of the utmost in intimacy, and and there's certain things that like don't get shared with other people, yeah. you know. And so like if you're taking all of the, it, it seems so silly, you know, that like the, his ex wife drops off food to him. Why would you be mad about that? Because as a couple. Um, you guys decide what you're going to eat. Your menu isn't set by his ex-wife. And yeah. like, I, I realize it seems trivial, but like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a control and a pattern and a, and a, and a decision-making tree within your marriage that like, if you let too many of those things go, you're actually not even driving the boat of your own marriage, right? Like, like she's playing an important uh, managerial role in the way your household runs. And your household should run as a married couple how the two of you are are in constant control of it, right? Like you you don't let outside forces um, control those things. Right? Yeah. That's how you keep a protected marriage. That's how you keep a home raising kids in the way that you want to and that you design to. And so um, I think it all sounds pretty innocuous and like we might be overreacting. But like once again, I think she has just a little bit too much input. It's the bill paying. I don't understand that. Yeah. I, the, the bill paying, I just do not get. Let's say she's super generous, drops off food. John don't cook for snot, and she's like, his food's terrible. I want to make sure that whatever he's at least eating. Uh, I, that's one thing, but like, she's still paying his bills and talking to him every day. I don't know what you have to talk about with your ex-wife, you know, constantly yeah, throughout. Yeah. Maybe he's not marriage material anyway. Yeah. Maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Nathaniel. Yeah. He sucks. Get away from him. Okay. That's it. He's got, he's got too much grace coming from this room already. We're done with this guy. Yeah. Okay. Secular says to say that John is overly dependent on Jessica would be an understatement. And Jessica seems to like it that way. You don't know that. You're not wrong for preferring not to move forward on this relationship. You are intelligent. For you to move forward, Jessica would have to step aside, and it appears that neither she nor John is open to doing that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't load so much on Jessica. I mean, maybe the guy actually behaves in such a way where, like, she feels like she has to care for him, and it's actually a burden on her. Maybe she doesn't love it, yeah. but but she still cares about him because they they had a kid together, and yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't overload on that, but I I definitely wouldn't move forward. This doesn't seem like a healthy situation to put yourself in. Uh, what else we got? Okay, let's do. Dear life from the path. I'm a 31-year-old woman who has been in many relationships since high school. Mm. We're we're gauging since high school. That's our time period. You 31. (laughs) Uh, No engagements, however. Although four of the men mentioned they wanted to marry me. I lived with three of them. I'm a former model. I've almost completed my second master's degree and hold a steady government job. I don't understand why I feel so depressed just because no one has ever wanted to marry me. I've wanted kids my entire life, and I thought I would have, have three before I was 30. Now I cry every day thinking how I may never be in a relationship with anyone who will love me enough to marry me or have kids with me because marriage never happened. (laughs) I have a college fund set up for my future children and I've done everything in my life to prepare to be a mom. I paid off my student loans early, got a car that was perfect for car seats, and a dog that's good breed for kids. I just don't know where to turn next. Well, if you weren't uh, given out what the guy has wanted without the commitment, uh, maybe they'd make a commitment. I don't know. Hey, even by the way that she's described this situation, any dude that can take in a whole conversation would feel like, I feel like you're just using me to get a baby. <laughs> you're not like, I got an apartment that my husband might enjoy. Or I asked him what kind of dog we would get. Or she's like, I planned for kids. I got the car for kids. I got the dog for kids. I got a college fund set up for kids. And the dude's over there like, I could go for a wife, though, <laughs> that cares about me in any any regard. I mean, not to say the dude's a big sap monster and he needs a bunch of patting on the head, but, like, <laughs> the way you tell it, it sounds like you yeah. are pretty open and honest that you are just basically looking for a sperm donor yeah. uh, so you can get the kid. The guy is completely inconsequential to the conversation. And uh, uh, any dude worth his salt does not want to be in a marriage like that. Does that seem unfair? Is that Am I overly criticizing this woman? Mm, no. I bought a car good for kids? I don't have no kids. No, right. Like, yeah. I, I, a lot of what she has focused on is not finding a, a good marriage partner. It's It's preparing for children. True, and it's also centered upon what she wants and her and her only. I want to be a mother. I want to have kids. I want not I want a family, you know, I want to have a husband that supports me and I support him and and whatever. I, it, it just it feels a little bit too self self-centered to me. Yeah, and I and to, I think in combination of both of those like to Dan's point and to yours, I think to the extent that you've moved in and lived with three of these dudes um you have like one, it might feel aggressive to them, and and two, like um, like you might be a little bit too excited to latch on to, to the wrong fella, uh, and then give them what is ultimately a marriage experience without having to make a commitment for said experience, and so they don't have any motive. Like uh, the wrong guy has no motivation in that scenario. The right guy wouldn't agree to it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, so her question was, uh, I don't know where to turn. Like, what do I what do I do next? What's what, what's the move here? Well, I mean, here's the thing. This is going to sound like a fairly pat answer, uh, but without no, based upon your description, it doesn't imply a full faithful loving and following of Jesus with your with your actions. Right. And so, uh, here's the thing: if you are a uh, if you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, and all the boxes are ticked that you just listed off, you will have no trouble at all finding a decent man uh, who also loves and follows Jesus. Got just no trouble. No, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way you've described it, you're you're a catch. You're you're you'd be, you'd be excellent. I mean, what, once again, your attitude seems to be weird, but 
like uh, past that, uh, and, and in general, like uh, as, as a single person that's that's you know approaching thirty, um, you're kind of laser focused on your life being good or not good based on this one thing, right? And you have plenty of opportunity to love and serve and and fulfill, um, you know, the the things that God has put in you uh, without this marriage component right ticking right now. And so I know that's hard to hear. I know you feel like everybody's getting married around you and they should have blah, blah, blah. But like our divorce rate is high for a reason because people are getting in and out of marriage that they probably shouldn't have been in. Right. And so like it's, it's, it bends right. Uh, a faithful following of Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a man that it also does that and you both agree to that, um, you'll have one heck of a marriage. Yeah. If, if you're looking for, for men at, at a club or a bar, they're not looking for marriage. I would say, hey, find yourself a good church. Uh, you can get a little dose of the baby stuff. Work in the nursery. I know that's not yeah. your children, but you're working with babies. And, and guess what? The guys looking for marriage tend to be in churches. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe you're looking in the wrong spot. Yeah. Did she say she cries daily? Yeah. She feels like life is passing her by, Nathaniel. The, the clock's are ticking. Yeah. I know. But that seems like a lot. <laughs> she seems, she's very, Daily. She's very successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anybody else get like a little bit of a vibe that she's got some sort of something about her personality? Like I mean, maybe if you're she, crying daily. Uh, yeah. She may lack humility somewhere where she's not saying, hey, you know what? I also am like this and chase people away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, this is going to sound bad, but like uh, I would I would scare me that I would not measure up to whatever this woman's expectations are. Right. I am not a former model. I wouldn't even because I, I mean, my kids are like old or. And they ain't got no college fund. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Uh, we, we stuffed them into a car that was not good for children for like the first three, four years they were alive. You know what I'm saying? Like all these things yeah. were not anything that concerned me at all. I had a wife and I was happy and we had a family and I was happy. And like all this stuff just, you know, you let life kind of deal with it as you come. And like, um, you, you know, to have all these things all set up, some dude's like, boy, I just feel like I don't fit in this picture at all. Nothing that I say actually has a has an impact right like if yeah. you're this way about cars and uh dog breeds that are good for kids i mean how are we going to do about mayonnaise or what we're going to have for dinner right am i lose everything do I, am i like a, just a, a paper mache you know dude in this in this entire scenario whatever i think whatever i feel whatever i add to you or you add to me is inconsequential because you have this plan and it's yeah. just hard for it's, it makes the guy sound super sensitive and uh here but like everybody wants to feel needed and important especially mm-hmm. in your marriage you know, and so like if you've got all these plans and the guy is a question mark and it doesn't matter who it is, then a guy's not going to feel like he, he belongs in that relationship. You're not adding to him and he's not adding to you. He's just a way to get what you want. Yeah, I suppose a relationship of which in which what the guy thinks is of little con- consequence will always lead you to the wrong types of guys. Like you don't want a guy who, who is OK with his what he thinks being of little consequence, like where his opinion doesn't particularly matter because you've got it all figured out. Like that's not a that's not a good that's not a partner for you, yeah. Uh, and that's not a, what a what life for him. Like uh, who goes well, you know, just whatever he wants to be just fine. I'll you know go ahead and pay my bills and bring me some meatloaf over even after we separate. Like I just think it's the yeah. You might be looking for the wrong types of guys, and and um, I mean I think you should be. Oh, it sounds like you've got yourself well together, and it's a it is often a blessing for people who can think ahead and plan ahead well and set up a good scenario yeah, yeah. these are not bad parts of your personality yeah we're as not saying your ability to look forward to the future is not uh it's very helpful and uh, i'm sure there's plenty of dudes that just absolutely love that 
because they they're more of a whim type fellas, you know. Yeah, as long as it just doesn't, uh, as long as it doesn't create a life of which um, one, like you're not you're not trying to find the right person. You're just kind of you know bull and china shopping your way through fellas, and 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 probably disrespecting yourself and how you're doing it at times, and so you ultimately don't find the right guy. Like, you kind of, it's hard to say, hey, you should be thankful, but, like, you should always be thankful that you didn't end up with the wrong guy. And it sounds like you've had a run of the wrong guys, and you might be kind of trying to get them in the wrong ways. Okay. Secular says, you seem to be a nice, accomplished woman with traditional values. How do you know she's nice? Traditional values? Also, yeah, the traditional values doesn't fly. (laughs) You seem to be an accomplished woman. Yes, good. (laughs) Could it be possible that you are so focused on getting married that you have chased away your suitors? Mm. From what you have written, you may have put the cart before the horse. Allow a relationship to play out naturally before focusing on a rush to the altar. Although you yearn for marriage before maternity, it's important you don't forget there may be other options. Marriage isn't in the cards for everyone. Some single women focus on their careers and or adopt children who need loving homes. You could be one of them if you expand your horizons. Yeah. She, that means she also picked up on the vibe that she really just wants kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, get, find a church uh, and find, find uh, if you've got a little bit of time, volunteer with things that you care about. And you know what? You're likely to run into somebody somewhere who cares about those things. I actually I w- was thinking, uh, was it earlier today? I, I was thinking, uh, whatever my family's gone, it always occurs to me, what if they don't come back? Like, what if for some reason or other my family does not return? I don't even know what I would do with myself. Yeah. And like... Uh, uh, I thought, well, like, would I ever, would I ever get remarried? And I thought, boy, I just don't know. I don't think so. But like, I wouldn't even have the first clue as to where to find a lady. Just no idea. Because I, I would say join a church. Like I'm in a church, but I'm in a small church. Like mm. I pastor a small house church and I know all these people. I will not be marrying any of them. They're already married. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, uh, what, what are we going to run into someone at the Costco? Yeah. My wife, if my wife is not around, I'm probably not driving out to the Costco anymore. That's I don't know. True. I mean, I, what, and what happens then? The woman's like, hey, are you single? Well, you care. Yeah. Are you writing a book? You know, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm here to buy bread. <laughs> yeah. Don't be so bold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't have any idea. Okay, we got more and more. Ready? Okay, yeah. Dear Life from the Path, a few years ago, I asked a friend to accompany me to a concert for which I offered her a free ticket. I paid $150 for each one. The original plan was to travel from New York State to Ohio, which would have been a three-day weekend. She responded with a grateful yes, then instantly changed the location to head in the opposite direction, planned out the entire trip, including the driving, and turned it into a five-day trip. Well, it happened again. She's a great travel companion, so I asked if she'd like to go to Nashville with me for a couple of days. It instantly changed to a week, and she invited other people to join us without discussing it with me. Within 90 minutes of bringing up the trip to her, it no longer includes Nashville. It's like she waited for me to invite her to do something just so she could change it to something she wanted to do. It really hurts that she oversteps my invitations. If I continue to plan the trip, including everything she wants to do, we'll be gone for weeks. What can I say or do to make her see I really wanted to go to Nashville? Yeah, I mean, this seems real easy. Uh, hi, I invited you to Nashville. It sounds like you're going on a different trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're not going to Nashville. I'll go with someone else. Yeah, if I understand, this, the original plan was to travel from New York State to Ohio, which had been a three-day weekend. We're going to go to a concert in Ohio. Yeah. She responded with a grateful yes, instantly changed the location. Like to Maine or something. To head in the opposite direction, planned out the entire trip, including the driving, and turned it into a five-day trip. So we didn't go to the concert at all? Or like they went to a different leg of the concert? One in Maine? Huh. I don't... 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't. Or Kentucky. <laughs> and then, hey, we want to go to Nashville? Sure. And then she calls back like an hour and a half later. I got us tickets to, to St. Louis, and it's going to be great. We got all these places. Like, whoa, whoa, I wanted to go to Nashville. Well, I ain't going to St. Louis. That's really weird. And it seems actually weird. Like, she only continues to do this because you put up with it the first time. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it takes a lot of, it's pretty bold to be like, hey, I got tickets to go see Hootie and the Blowfish in Ohio. <laughs> great. That sounds awesome. And then she calls back an hour later and says, hey, man, I can't wait to go see Nitty Gritty Dirt Band down in North Carolina. What? We ain't going to North Carolina. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this sounds like a really, actually a relatively simple problem. Because, uh, like, it's so off base that you can easily speak to it. Yeah. Hey, I invited you to Nashville. I see you're going on another trip somewhere else. Okay, you're not going. Like, I just, it seems super easy. Yeah. Hey, hey, do you, uh, okay, I plan out a five-day trip. Uh, no, I'm doing three days in Nashville. If you don't want to go, that's fine. Right. I mean, how, how close a friend can this possibly be? I can't imagine anybody that I currently know or talk to that I call my friend where this scenario came up and they came back with those answers. And I said, what the heck are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah. We're going to Hootie and the Blowfish in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go or what? Yeah. Like, like my, my, my inviting you somewhere isn't an open invitation to, hey, I want to give, I want to spend three days or five, whatever you want, and you can do whatever you want with my time. Like, that's not yeah, how, that's that's not how invitations work. <laughs> Mm-mm. She's either she's either actually legit crazy, or uh, you have a pattern of being a, an extreme doormat. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't even put up with this if I said, "Hey, man, you want to go? I'm heading to McDonald's. Want me to come pick you up? Sounds good." And then you get in the car and go, "Let's go to Wendy's." Yeah, I made reservations for us at the Wendy's. We're going to Wendy's. Yeah. I said we're going to McDonald's. You're just on my way. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> I want to go to the Wendy's. Well, you go back home. <laughs> yeah, take you to Wendy's. <laughs> We go to the Donalds, like I said, you know? Mm. It just seems ridiculous. I can't imagine this scenario. Okay, I mean, the advice is done. Just say no. Yeah. Hey, we're not going to Nashville now. Well, you going? I'm going to Nashville. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to Nashville. Apparently, I need new friends. And Jenny and whatever friend you, you decided to invite, you guys could go to St. Louis. Have a good time. Okay. Yeah, you're not taking anything away from her. No, she wants. She can go on that trip if she wants to. She doesn't care whether you go or not. I don't even yeah. know why. She, I don't even know why she she said yes to your original invitation. Yeah, I don't make any sense. Secular Seth, here's what to say to this presumptuous person: "Quote, the itinerary you have planned isn't what I had in mind at all. So carry on by yourself. I'm going to Nashville, and then follow through. Bon voyage." Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it like that for sure. I wouldn't say the itinerary. The itinerary you picked the out itinerary. is... Yeah, that's not exactly what I had in mind. I mean, I would legit... What are you even talking about? Yeah. What, I, what do you mean? We go to Hootie and the Blowfish, and that's the end of it. I'll Uber. I just... <laughs> I mean, don't even... You, like, you'll take your own car, because you were going to do it anyway. Why you keep yeah. inviting this crazy friend to places? Yeah. Especially if you spend 150 bucks on ticks. Yeah, you're 300 bucks in the hole already, and then you got to invite this wang-dang-doodle <laughs> that decides they're going to fly to Coop wherever <laughs> they want to go. make any sense at all. I just don't, I don't understand. This is the most ridiculous <laughs> scenario I've ever heard. I can't even believe it actually happens in the real world. I know. They made it up. Do you think, is there any way that this person is leaving out like a key detail that would set something right? I have tickets to go see Bon Jovi. Do you want to go? Yes. Okay. I'm excited about Bon Jovi, except we're not going to be able to make it because we're going to go down south a couple hours. Yeah, we're going to tent camp outside an alligator farm. What? Five days. What about Bon Jovi? What about Bon Jovi? We're not going. <laughs> yeah, we're going. <laughs> I bought tickets for Bon Jovi. Oh, that's Whose awesome. tickets are 150 bucks? John Bon, jo- John bon Jovi. You think so? He's 150 bucks a ticket. Gotta be. He's running out of time to make money, Nathaniel. 150 bucks gotta be. I would be. not pay 150 bucks to go see anything. Yeah. It's gotta be front row. Not a thing. 
You wouldn't see anything for 150 bucks? No. What if somebody yeah. was uh, performing live action Zachariah, the whole book? <laughs> no, you can get that on YouTube. And you got uh, bottle rockets, and you got yeah. to shoot it at him at the end to really bring the effect home. Yeah, here's the deal. Bon Jovi can't literally live on a prayer. He needs cold, hard dinero, and so he's got to charge a buck fifty to get in. Usually people are pretty excited about going to a concert. It's not so regular that you go to concerts. They're like, I've been looking forward to this two months. So I got tickets to the concert. We're going to go. It's going to be great. And for someone to just go... I see you that you spent $300, but we're going to do completely this other thing. Maybe maybe money flows like liquid wine back <laughs> in the New York City. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, stuff's expensive in New York. I got to be honest. This this scenario is so over the top ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I can't even speak to it. I, I can't even say how I would react if the same thing occurred because it would never happen to me. No. No. Yeah, you own, you you're friends it. with a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, hey, you, you would listen live from the path. If this, I just want to tell you this. If this is you, if you're the person who people call and you completely change the plans, I need you to call the complaint line. And I need you just to address yourself and say, hey, Ben, it's me. I'm the complaint so that I know who you are. And I want you to give your full name and address so we know who we're dealing with. Uh, and then I, I, if you have, if you go to a local uh, parish or church, I need you to give me the name of whoever runs the place. Yeah. We need some Driscoll-style accountability. They're not communicating effectively. You're acting like a boob. I don't just don't understand this. It may not be sinful, but it's hard to understand good news in light of what you're doing. I mean, it has to be. Like you could not literally be thinking about any anybody else in your whole life to derail somebody's already invested plans. Yeah. You're not walking humble with your God. You're trying to negotiate whether the Sabbath can actually take three days and and constitute some sort of bakery tour in the northern Florida. People gotta take time off work. That's your 300 bucks in concert tickets, plus the, the drive to Ohio, plus three days. That means one of those days is out of work somewhere. And now we're just going to go completely somewhere else, add two more days out of work, and probably you're going to pay the gas. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, you're out. All right. Thanks for listening live from the path. We really do appreciate it. Um, give us some feedback if you want to on that complaint line, 515-517-0085. That's call or text. Either one would be fine. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>